Welcome back, everybody, to the Waggle and Whiff podcast. We are back. hey And better than ever. Uh, coming off a, a great weekend for Steve. Uh, Sound more excited, Steve. My gosh. This was awesome. Seriously, uh, Pinehurst was an unbelievable time, an unbelievable resort, unbelievable golf. Um, another just great trip. What a lucky human being I am. I'm sorry that I have to brag to you guys Jeez, about this Louise, right now. I but, know, we're flicking you off. I was like, of course he's yeah, saying I mean, he's an unbelievably lucky bastard because he didn't have to be with his wife this weekend. That's not true. <laughs> I would have loved kidding. to be with you. But I got to see some good buddies uh, from back from Connecticut that I haven't seen in a long time. Some of them since the stream song sh- trip we did last year. But we had an unbelievable time. But don't worry, we are going to have a podcast coming out. I'm going to get the guys on it as well. They'll call in and we'll kind of go through the itinerary and go through all the, the sights, sounds, fun, and golf and everything else Pinehurst had to offer. But I'll just tell you guys, it's it's an amazing golf destination in so many ways. And it goes just past the uh, golf and just past staying at the resort. It's just an unbelievable area. So excited. to! I'm super pumped to tell you all about that stuff uh, very soon here. So we'll get that recorded. We'll get that out to you guys very quickly. But uh, let's re- recap the weekend. A big podcast here coming for you guys. We've got Kenny Harms. Coming on the podcast Hey-o. later on. So Kevin Nas caddy, very distinguished caddy. He's done uh, a lot of caddying throughout his career on tour. He's a veteran. He's been on tour for about 25 years, but Great most guy. most recently. Great guy. He's got a lot to say to you guys. It's, it's got to get your uh, mouth a, a little closer to that microphone there. No, the microphone's fine. He hears me great. I don't hear you good. Anyways, yeah. so Scotty's microphone's fixed. Yeah. Uh, we had a great weekend at the WGC. I was trying to keep up with it. Uh Awesome uh, country club. Had some yeah. people that I knew that were there. Um, had a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, what looks like a say? great golf course. Yeah, so the, w- unbelievable golf course. The one thing that you, doesn't come through on television is how like hard it is to watch golf that you're not watching right in front of you. Meaning you only see golf on the hole that you're on. Right. You don't really see any of the other holes. And so it's not the greatest golf course to go to. Watch, yeah. And, and attend is a lot of walking. This is very a lot of elevation changes, which yeah. I'm sure Kenny Harms might talk about. Um, but an unbelievable match play golf course. Yeah, I mean it. Lo- it looked great for match play. We were trying to watch in between rounds of golf at Pioneers this weekend, keep up with it on our phones. Uh, but it's fun. I got super pumped for this tournament because it's it's just great to watch match play for a whole weekend. The right. golf starts on Wednesday, so you get an extra bonus day yeah. of golf. Saturday, and, Sunday, they play 36. Uh, yeah, it's just a great thing. Um, shout out to myself for Dark Horse Kevin Kisner coming through in the clutch, winning the tournament. Ew. What a performance by him. I know you say it's a dark what horse. What a pick by me. I mean, you what know, a pick. You, know, you don't get better than if that. If anything, I would say that it's the easiest pick to pick because he's... Easiest. Whoa. He, <laughs> the take. reason why... He was probably like... He out lost of all, last year. So like... Emily, he was like one of the... He's probably 60, 71 to win that thing. Well, so did you put be- money on it? No. We well, were then that's your issue. Last week. All I'm saying is that last year he probably should have thrown he, some money. He was on runner. That. He was runner up, and so he yeah, had he played well. And he he that's came back and yeah, exactly. So yeah, but no other runner up has ever won. Well, yeah, just because he finished runner up I last year. I think that I'm not just saying. Okay, in golf, no runner up has ever won, but yeah. in other sports, there are t- plenty of runner ups yeah. who have taken the crown. Okay. 
He's a good match play player. He's feisty. I I'm think, happy uh, for him. Yeah. I, I, I think some, this, this will help his Just some basic thoughts on Kevin Kisner stuff. here. Um, as you mentioned, second straight time he's been in the final, so he knows the golf course. He's played well a lot of unique golf courses. Bay Hill, Sony Open, the players this year, Greenbrier. Um, and if you look at where he's won and where he's had a lot of success, all these golf courses have similar features. You don't have to hit the ball very far. Yep. And he's a great a wedge bomber. player, one of the best putters on tour. And so someone that, you know, I think for like the Open Championship could be a really good pick. Right now, the Masters odds before this weekend, he was 100 to 1. Oof. Right now, you can get him at 60 to 1. All right, so still mm. put money down him. So huh? I still think it's a good value. It's a good bet. Yeah. However, again, he's got to drive the ball and hit it far at Augusta. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you've, you just got to get around corners. You got to get to the par fives. So, but still, a feisty player. Uh, he's It's funny because he's just a middle-of-the-pack player. He's had, like, T20s for, like, you know, four or five straight weeks. And then he gets to match play and just tears it up. Um, different kind of golf, though. I, I went and looked at the stats. I don't know if he's missed a cut this year. Yeah, he doesn't miss cuts. Just solid T20 finishes every time. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a lot of money. That, hey, that'll, that'll make you a lot of money on the PGA Tour. So congrats to Kevin Kisner. Uh, but we had some other storylines at the WGC this week. Um, by the way, just on, in the match play in general, I'm sorry, in the championship match in general, uh, I don't think Kuchar played great, by the way. I mean, he was there, but he I, I watched some of it on replay today, and uh, he missed a lot of putts. He putted like crap. Kuchar didn't play that well, but still. Kiz gutted it out and won it, so congrats. Anyways, other storylines. The <laughs> the Kuchar-Sergio yeah. fiasco, yeah. if you will. A um, lot of comments on this. A lot, lot of recent stuff. Even up to a few hours before sure. recording this, they released a statement on, on Twitter. But Together. let's just... Let's just, re- Scotty, why don't you recap kind of what happened between Kuchar and Sergio for those of you who might not know. Yeah, so so they, so they it's a good match. It's a close match. They go to the seventh hole. Um, Sergio has a par putt to win. Um, he misses the par putt, and it rolls out to maybe seven inches. And before he has time to mark it or to tap the ball in or hear anything that that's good, he kind of gives a backhand pass at the ball, mm-hmm. and then the ball hits the left lip and doesn't go in. And then he picks the ball up. And as they're walking, Kucher notices this and asks the rules official and said, hey, I didn't say anything. Yeah, Like, that's good. And so I don't know what to do. And so the rules official then determines that there was no concession, he can't retroactively give a concession. And then Sergio, therefore, loses the hole because he picked the ball up and that comeback would have been a bogey putt, wouldn't have been good. Right. And so then this kind of breeds itself into the next couple holes where Sergio becomes visually upset about this. And we have video of it, so there's no getting around this. And then Sergio actually asks Matt Kuchar, if he would concede another hole to make it fair, because that's what he would quote unquote do if he was in that situation. And Kucher says, you know, I don't want to make a big thing about this. I just want to follow the rules. I don't know what to do because I didn't give the concession. I'm not going to lie to the rules official. Yet I think that I should have given you the putt. So I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so it turns into like this big thing. 
Sergio was visually upset about it, and there's no denying that. So if you want to defend Sergio, just watch the video. You can't really do it. And so later when the round ends, by the way, Kucher wins the match, and then Sergio take, takes full <laughs> right takes full responsibility and says, you know, it's all on me. I I shouldn't have have thought that it was automatically conceded, which is like a great reminder for anyone that ever plays match play. Never pick it up. Always put yeah. out until you hear it's good. Right. Yeah, if you're playing, if, like if you're playing with your buddies, you know. Perfect that, example. What happened to happens. you this weekend, Steve? Yeah, we'll, we won't get into that. <laughs> but um, if you look, I mean, th- this is a rookie move from a veteran guy in Sergio, and a you, master's you, champion. You you, you got to know that you you just wait to you know get the thumbs up from a player or an official can you know concede. Uh, pick it up, it's good, you're good, whatever it is. He doesn't wait for it. He just, uh, at, you know, Sergio style, just in frustration, whacks at the ball after right. he missed a, a, a frustrating shorter putt and then ends up losing the hole instead of having it. And, you know, as Kucher gets to the next tee box, I think where some of the murky stuff gets in is Kucher's trying to say, Kucher's trying to say to the rules official, like, look, I don't want to do anything wrong here. Like, I would have given him the putt but I didn't, right. you know what I mean? And then the rules official saying, well, you can't, you, you can't do anything. Right. And he's like, well, now. I can't, he's like, can I give him the putt? The rules official says, no, you can't give him the putt. So then Sergio's like, well, you could give me concede another hole. And, and, and I look Kucha's perspective on this. And I think it's the right one is that look, it's not, you made the mistake, man. Like not me. Like, of course I would have given you a 10 inch putt or a seven inch putt, whatever it was, but it's, I'm not going to concede a hole because you made a mental error. Right. So I'm totally on Kucher's side here. Yeah, um, me too. And I don't think, you know, I, I, Sergio can complain and bitch however he wants. But, like, look, he made the mistake. And he does he does admit to it at the end. Um, and then we get the whole next thing, which is today. And this is yeah. just funny because, okay, Sergio and Kucher have been in the media for the wrong reasons yep. more than anybody else so far. Kucher with this whole caddy situation out in Mexico, and now Sergio with uh, out in Saudi Arabia tearing apart bunkers, just going bonkers the whole yep. week. Not just bunkers, greens. <laughs> yeah. Greens, smashing whatever into what. It just goes fucking off. And now, literally today, they release a Twitter post, a joint post, where Kucher has his arm around Sergio in a golf cart. And it's like, hey, there was no big deal. They're just trying to make it seem like they're all good. It's edited. You can notice like cuts in the video. So they've edited this together. To make it and it's just like- such a, it's hard to watch. It's like this PR stunt uh, that's complete bull shit. Sorry for the, excuse my language, but you know, I swear on podcasts once in a while. Um, it's just like this total manufactured, fake, desperate looking apology where it's like, look, I just, which I just think is unnecessary, but I think both of them are in such a place where they're scared of any negative media attention that they're trying to both make light of it. It's like, whoa, guys, we need to do something about this. I think it's hilarious and also just makes me want to puke at the same time. Agreed. You can, t- <laughs> like you can tell the video is edited. They tried to put out the report that this happened natural, and it is. Sergio did go to hit balls this morning at Austin Country Club. He is an honorary member. Um, however, it does seem highly produced. But t- the bigger point here is this is another pattern behavior from Sergio Garcia. As you mentioned, the thing in Saudi Arabia destroying the bunkers and greens earlier this year. In 2017, he spit in the cup. 2002, he flips off a fan. 2013, Players' Championship, he blames Tiger for his bad shot. 
2007, he has that collapse at Carnoustie, and he blames the grounds crew for being too loud. Um, he's, it's, the list so goes is, on. <laughs> we, and we could do this all night, but again, it's just the type of way that he's carried himself on a golf course, and there's no place for it. And so there's no way, as, as tough as I am and as anti-Matt Kuchar I have been for his treatment of caddies, this is totally on Sergio Garcia, and he needs to own it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it just goes, like you said, the list goes on. You could talk about it all day. It's just the type of golfer, person, complainer he kind of is. And he's just always going to be that way. Nothing's going to change that. Um, and so bad behavior on the ball, golf course. Entertaining as hell to watch, by the way, though. I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, if I'm tuning into match play, I want to see that. Like, let's see some more of this controversy. Yeah. <laughs> so love it. But anyways, it, it, was, uh, it was just entertaining to watch. That's Emily, you got any thoughts in closing? Um, not about that. I think you guys talked enough about it. So I'm going to just say it's not a controversy. It's actually more of a celebration that I'm excited about going into this week is that we have the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur that's happening. And I think that is amazing, the fact that these women are going to play at Augusta. Yeah, it's great. You jumped the gun a little bit because we didn't talk about Tiger at, at WGC. But the, we are really excited about the women's I'm really excited. At, at the tournament. Well, so am I. I want to see the ladies play Augusta. It's going to be great. And the, the we one, only, I mean, the cool thing is we only get to see Augusta once a year. Exactly. So Masters. we're going to be able to now see it Now we get a whole other tournament to exactly. see it. But I do have a bone to pick because I I think that the, L, LGP, the LPGA should have had first pass on, on this opportunity versus the um amateur however they might you be you mean not doing the uh the tournament their their own the tournament, tournament this weekend yeah well a couple of things here first of all i'm excited about as anyone i think how many people have dreamed of playing augusta national right and most of those people and you hear about those dreams don't tend to be women and so the fact that now little girls are going to get to like dream be of, of being in golf and playing at that historical place i mean is, how is, is so cool like we're literally going to watch history happen on saturday um and honestly i think it could be a turning point in women's golf yeah forever change it and so i'm all aboard that train to your comment about the lpga i totally agree and and for some of the top amateurs now in the world they literally have to choose between going to the and inspiration which is the first major of the year mm-hmm. versus playing at this inaugural tournament at Augusta National. Yeah. Like, how fair is that? So hopefully they can work with the LPGA yeah. and get the scheduling figured out. The problem is, is I don't think Augusta National is going to move them on or off the schedule. So no. that, that's going to be difficult. I, th- I think Augusta I'm, But I think, it's, I think it's weird that Augusta is going to even... I mean, not weird, but I just find it interesting that they're doing it like on, so close to the Masters. You would think nobody's stepping on that grass for like two weeks before the Masters, <laughs> except for the grounds crew, and they're having a tournament there before it. Um, so I would, I would almost expect, I mean, I don't know, maybe the masters will move it. I mean, maybe they'll say we'll do it later than the year after the tournament. So we get more time to, you know, prep for the, for the masters, which maybe, is in two weeks. Again, I guess it's not open year round. I don't think most people realize no. that there's only yeah, open, not. you know, nine months out of the year. Um, and certainly they have weather problems. So like, I know the Azaleys can't grow say, and they have yeah. to re, re, replant a lot of the azaleas when it gets too hot yeah so and now they're starting to get some poa at the forecast for next week is going to be like 80 degrees with with rain coming in this weekend and then master's week is going to be up to 80 degrees and so 
all of these things, I think, have to matter um, when you talk about the schedule. Wait, I didn't hear that though. They're getting poa, so they're like new grasses growing in the. So um, early greens? reports, there's some star- there's some poa that is growing in at Augusta. Oh, that's interesting. That could change up the greens quite a bit. Uh, so, but anyway, speaking of poa, Tiger, big poa guy, um, performance at the WGC great didn't lose uh i mean sorry didn't win obviously his championship match missed a four footer like a really makeable putt to keep the match going uh ended up ended up missing that Uh, but good showing i mean he holds out from uh i think on saturday was a saturday saturday he holed out from for a two on that from the fairway on i don't remember what hole it was place went crazy yep um so good to see all that excitement around tiger woods as usual and uh expect him to have his at least b plus a minus game coming into the masters that's for sure yeah and and, and all in the whole i think wonderful i think he played one more round than i predicted he would play when he beat rory and his game seems to be playing pretty well i think honestly it's a good thing he didn't play um, Sunday because it'd been at least thirty six whole more holes that he would have to play. Yeah, and I mean so, it's so a tough tournament can, for him. He can get home and get sleep. He's forty three. Obviously a bad back. I think this is going to be good for him, and I think it will yeah. actually help him at Augusta. Yeah, he didn't need to go play thirty six on Sunday. He really didn't. Um, so I think a lot of fans are using that as sort of the Mister Brightside <laughs> reason for him losing. Yeah, it's eleven days of prep work. Uh, eleven days. I mean, 11. Kisner played over one hundred and five holes. That wouldn't have been good for Tiger. No, not at all. He probably played a lot too much than as as it is now. I mean, he played more more than we thought he would. Uh, that was a surprise that he beat Rory to me a little bit, though. I mean, Rory just kind of faded a little bit. Uh, anyways. I'm hungry. This baby is killing okay. me in my okay. tummy. We're going so to get hungry. dinner. Uh, Kenny Harms is next. Tiger's looking good coming to the Masters. We have a Masters recap, uh, Masters preview show, not a recap, coming to you that this will week. Drop. Uh, Monday, Monday or Tuesday next week. Yeah, we're gonna Let's record shoot it for Monday. Yeah, we're gonna record it this weekend, so we'll give you a, a a good Masters preview show next week. Can't wait! It's Masters week already. Uh, biggest week of the year in golf, in my opinion. Most exciting one. Uh, it's only the Masters. I mean, it's only the best week uh, in golf. Yeah, I mean, what type Hello. of pressure could they be under? Yeah, I, I have know. no what idea. We'll find pressure. out on this <laughs> on this interview, I guess, huh? <laughs> Uh, anyways, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at Waggle and Whiff Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Waggle and Whiff. And we cannot wait to bring to you guys this Kenny Arms interview. He was hilarious and uh, a lot of good and interesting stuff from him. But let's just get to it. All right, guys. Well, we're bringing in veteran PGA Tour caddy Kenny Arms to the podcast. He's currently on the bag for Kevin Na. Uh, also been on the bag for a lot of other greats on, on tour. So welcome to the Wagon With podcast, Kenny. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be on your Wagon With. It's uh, pretty good. Who came up with that, by the way? Oh, it's a great story. you asked. We just came up with it last time where we talked. We went through some names, but I had this moment on my first guy's golf trip, Kenny. This is Steve. So my first guy's golf trip. Was in stream song, and I got on the first tee after too many beers the night before and no warm up, uh, as expected, <laughs> and used one of those orange, uh, one of those orange whip things for the first time. I've never used one in my uh, life. I was kind of like trying to get loose on the first tee. 
Uh-huh. And uh, in front of about 50 people, I just completely whiffed. I didn't didn't hit the ball, didn't duff it, didn't top it. Just I, I completely whiffed on the ball, like dead serious trying to hit it. And I'm like, you know, a single-digit handicap. So that was pretty embarrassing. Nice. <laughs> nice. There's probably like 30 people around the first tape watching too. So that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of people. So that's how we came up with it. But there we go. So so welcome. Welcome in. <laughs> We're excited welcome. to have Glad you. To be here. It's nice to be uh, here. I'll, I'll just I'll I'll get started, Kenny. So just so our, our listeners kind of get you know uh, a background on you, um, you've been doing this for a long time. You've worked with a who's who of golfers in your past. So Kevin Knock currently, but you, mm-hmm. Hale Irwin, Lee Trevino, Gary Player, Raymond Floyd, just to name them. Um, so how did you get started uh, caddying on the PGA Tour? You know, I I, uh, I wrestled my whole life, and when I got to college, I actually was so small in high school um, that, I mean, I was a decent wrestler, and, and I thought it was a lot better than it probably was, but uh, anyway, I was so small, nobody recruited me, so I was 108 pounds my senior year, so, you know, the first weight class in college was 118, so nobody's going to recruit, so I actually went to school in North Carolina at <laughs> a guy that was on the golf team and we became friends. He's like, Oh, you got to come out. Do you play golf? I said, honestly, I probably shoot like 120 play once a year with my dad. Uh, and that's it. And so I actually started going out with him and, and I fell in love with the sport and uh, I, I transferred up to New Jersey and long story short after college. Uh, actually I was on playing on the team at Westchester university in Pennsylvania. And one of the members uh, at the club that we, we practiced that uh, I would caddy for him on weekends if we didn't have matches and stuff. And, you know, at that time I got down to like an 82, 83, I was the fifth, sixth man on the team, maybe the seventh man. I didn't get to go to that many tournaments, but I was on the team. And anyway, he's, he owned, his name was Les Kaplan and he owned Philadelphia outdoor, which is a billboard company in Philadelphia. And he's like, Hey, you know, why don't you be an assistant here for a year? And if you don't like it, you can come work for me. I'm like, that's great. Cause I, I honestly, I was, I was going to school for sports management, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I'm like, all right, perfect opportunity. So I, I was an assistant. I actually flew over to um, Finland. My stepmom's from Finland. My dad, we have a little summer house. It's nothing much. It's on a beautiful lake. But uh, I came back and I was there for about five months. And, you know, I was supposed to be an assistant. I was in the bag room and it was just the head pro kind of screwed me over. So I had a bad taste in my mouth. But anyway, one of the uh les got me a job at palm beach polo club down in uh west uh, west palm beach florida for the winter time so literally the week i was supposed to go down there i got the flu and my i was up at my dad's house and my dad and my stepmom wouldn't let me leave until i got better so i called the club up and i said hey listen <laughs> so i'm gonna be a week late i know it's thanksgiving weekend but i'm honestly i have the flu it's like if you don't get down here we're going to give you a job away. I said, okay, well, I'll do the best I oh, can. So I actually drove down Saturday morning. I got there at like two in the morning or something. And, um, you know, I wait, I got a hotel room, uh, went to the golf course that morning and they're like, uh, all right, uh, you're going to be cleaning cars. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to be cleaning cars. And they're like, like, you're going to be cleaning cars. You're like, or do you know, the only job we have for you we filled your position i'm like uh no thanks and i figured i got on the phone book and i started calling all these clubs and no jobs so i saw a billboard on the side of the highway it was called the sazali classic it was a pj tour event 
a team event with two tours and then uh, two 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 players and then two amateurs. So now I'll just go there and caddy for a guy and you know go from there. Well, being naive as I am, I thought I'd get a tour pro. Well, I wound up getting one of the assistants. I wound up meeting a guy that was caddying on the Champions Tour and the Ladies Tour at the time. We got a place, and at the beginning of the year, uh, I went out with him. Yeah. He said, I'll get you. I'll get you a job. Well, we were at Keep It Game for the, the. It was called the Senior Tour at the time. He didn't get a job. Mm-hmm. And obviously I didn't get a job, so we drove up to where the LP <laughs> was playing in Wellington. And he got the last job in the parking lot, and I obviously did get a job, but I caddied in the pro-ams. And on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, I was sitting on the putting green, and I ran into Lynn Connolly, and somebody's like, hey, you should go. I was talking to her. I didn't even think about asking her, but one of the guys was like, nobody wants to work for her. She's really – she's a nice lady, but she's not very good, so nobody wants to work for her <laughs> if she's got something for next week. And she had forgot to sign up for that tournament. So I ran out to the parking lot. I caught her right before she got in her car. And I just said, hey, any possibility I can caddy for you next week? And she's like, here's my phone number. Got the soldier general was supposed to be doing it. But let me see if I can get out of it. Well, turned out she got out of it. I started caddying for her. We're leading the golf tournament with like six holes to go on Sunday. And we didn't finish too well. But we finished 10th. And she asked me to go to Hawaii for two weeks. And then the following week with San Diego. So I said, could I do San Diego as well? And then I got her back to my assistant's job. And she's like, yes, that'd be perfect. So I did both of them in, in uh, Hawaii. We made both cuts, and then we went to San Diego. Well, lo and behold, we finished second for Laura Davies. And I just made, I think it was $2,500 for the week. And I was making three fifty dollars as an assistant pro. And I said, called to my dad. And I'm like, hey, dad, what do you think I should do? He's like, go see the country. Go see the world for a year. You can always go be an assistant pro. So I called up the head pro. And. Here I am, 29 years later. Hello. That's a cool oh, story. Yeah, that's that, a great story. What a start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, if I didn't catch the flu, I would have never been a caddy. I mean, Timing, is everything. Way, <laughs> Timing is everything. You make a right turn or do you make a left turn? So, um, so you know, and that turned into the end of the year. I was over in Australia and met Jan Stevenson, and she asked me to work for her the next year. So I did it. I called up my dad again. He's like, Jan, see, crazy. You know, the doors are open. And I'm like, all right, we'll do it for another year. And then I worked for her for two and a half years and then left to go to the PGA tour. Um, and that's where I met Hubert Green. And I worked for him for six years and then Hale for eight years. And then on off weeks, because Hale didn't play but like 22 events a year, I would work for, you know, Raymond Floyd, Lee Trevino. I got to work for Gary Player. It's like, uh, it's just been it's an, been an amazing ride. Yeah, I mean those those are some some unbelievable names and people that have a history with this game, and someone that I admire and, and Trevino, someone that kind of did it his way. Yeah. What's one thing that you could share for our listeners about Trevino? I mean, just just probably one of the greatest ball strikers I've ever ever seen, and you know the whole story about how he talks. It's literally when you're catting, sure. you listen and you don't talk at all. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> nonstop, uh, amazing with the fans, uh, just so much talent. I actually worked for him one week, and he was actually on his couch and couldn't get off his couch for like six months. And everything wow. that they did, nothing worked. And he actually flew over to Germany to have rollers put in the discs, where it's in between his discs. Um, so when he came back, Hale wasn't playing the week of uh it was in baltimore so 
uh, one of my friends that used to work for him said, Hey, do you want to work for Lee that week? You know, he's, he's going to come without a caddy. I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, right. and you know, the coolest thing was, is that, you know, he, he, he didn't compress the ball enough to spin it at that time because he was just coming back. He didn't have his strength and stuff, but you know, all these guys, you'd think that, you know, you, you don't know them, but they like, they, they take you in and they let you, I mean, Lee was amazing. He, I got to almost pull every club. He didn't agree with a lot of the clubs, but I actually, I actually did put a half. <laughs> we didn't finish last. The guy that just got off the couch, but um, I mean, he's just, he's, he's the Mary Max. I mean, there's just, uh, he was one of the yeah. my favorites growing up. Um, amazing story, how we came from nothing. And, you know, he was the guy that, that he was the only guy that really had Jack's number um on, on yeah. head so you know he's probably I, I i look at him as one of the 20 greatest players to ever play the game for sure do you have did he keep you laughing at all on the course because he's a funny guy oh yeah no yeah, that's all he does it's if, if he's not talking about you know his kids or something like that he's cracking jokes and i mean just so he was <laughs> in a point in his life where you know he wasn't he wasn't beating anybody but you know he still had a love of the game and 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 he still had all the shots he just didn't have the distance and the strength and obviously he hadn't been practicing for six months but uh amazing i mean just just truly amazing one of my favorite guys to be around for sure that's pretty awesome but i i don't think most people understand truly what you guys do as a caddy Mm. so what would you say is the biggest like misconception of caddies you find that is that the casual fan may mistake about um i think it's i think you know i think the fans are getting more educated uh on on caddies nowadays because you know when i first started caddying they didn't even show the caddy on tv and and now you know pretty much everything about Ricky Fowler, Joe Scobber, you know, everything about Michael Grello, you know, everything about fluff because they realized that's another part of the game that they can talk about. Um, And, you know, most of the caddies out there, you know, have college educations now. Um, Yeah. I think everybody, everybody that that's a golf fan, you'd be hard pressed to find people that watch golf now that, that wouldn't want to hear more player caddy conversations. I think it's the most, it gives fans an inside look into what's going on, what's going through your head as a caddy, what's going through the players as they try to make a decision, especially during important times. It's incredibly entertaining. It's, and it's great to hear and interesting to hear, uh, you know, a prominent veteran caddy actually seemingly you're, you're, you're proactive in that you're accepting of it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's probably something that should be included more in broadcasts. Well, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I think the best caddies out there, first of all, they're, they're great psychologists. Second of all, they're not scared to be wrong, which is probably one of the greatest attributes to being a great caddy. And the third thing is, is if you look and you go back, let's just go back to TPC. And that's the 11th hole. John Rom's in a bunker. And he wants to hit this shot and hit the most stupidest shot in the world. He had less than yep. <laughs> pulling it off. And his caddy tried to stop him. And they – Yeah, Adam was right. Adam was 100% <laughs> right. He's a great caddy. He's a good friend. I mean, I've known him from the LPGA days. Um, and he was 100% right. And they went back to that moment at least five times in the telecast talking about it. 
and oh, went yeah. back as as one of the best. You know, I think you know, obviously the Tiger Kevin Na thing was the third biggest hit viral on the 17th hole on Saturday when they Kevin followed his putt in and then Tiger Woods followed it in. Um, oh, it yeah. was great. And then and then looking at that, you okay? What was one of the other biggest moments? It was John Rahm on the 11th. Hole. They kept on going back to that. And then, obviously, the next story, right. was, which was probably bigger than that, was Jim Furyk, the way he played at 48 years old, uh, you know, having hitting two great putts on the last two holes to win the golf tournament, um, to get beat by who I believe is the best player in the world right now, arguably with Dustin Johnson, uh, by Rory McIlroy. But if you look back at it, mm-hmm. they kept on going back to this one moment where the player and the caddy the caddy didn't agree with the player. Player yeah. overruled the caddy, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for John Rahm. Um, you know, yeah. making bogey and pretty much cost himself the golf tournament. Uh, it did cost himself the golf tournament for sure. And you know what I was thinking of a little bit of a segue when I when I was when the, obviously watching the tournament and hearing him replay it back and forth. Like I think you guys might have been one of the first viral you and you and kevin might have been one of the first viral sort of uh played caddy player conversations at colonial yeah (laughs) and i thought this was awesome it was hilarious um where you were trying to come off a shot and they're like i mean you obviously being right here i mean kevin was trying to pull off a crazy cut over like a hybrid over the water and uh you weren't okay with it and I mean, let's face it. We love Kevin, but he probably got lucky there. He got over the water, but he still missed the green, and then he ends up chipping in for birdie. Well, the, the funny thing um, is, but I, yeah, people didn't realize they never showed where the ball went. All they did was they showed right, where he chipped right. in from. The ball was 30 <laughs> yeah. yards over the green and hit the back of the bleachers. And then he got the drop. Oh, it did. I didn't he got, know that. Yes, he, most people don't realize is that he – they didn't catch the first 20 or 30 seconds of they, they got there a little late. So they didn't hear the point where I was, you know, I wanted to lay up and, and, you know, yeah, you know, it turned out, you know, he, he's the boss. I mean, I'm going to do everything I can for him not to hit that shot. And he usually lets me overrule him. Um, And, you know, this is an instinct where he just, I don't know why he thought he was going to pull it over, but the funniest thing was, is we were walking we were walking from the driving range. They drop us off right by the first hole, and you walk behind the 18th hole to get to the putting green, and then to the first and the uh, to the 10th tee because we teed off we teed off number 10 that day uh, on the first day. So we were walking behind, and Jim Furyk had hit it over the green, and I said to Kevin, "Wow, he's dead. He might make five. You know, he's definitely making five. He might make six. And that's why I said, that. I said "Kevin." Kevin, over the green's dead. I'm not hitting it over the green. Uh, yeah, you are. So he wound up taking a club. You know, he, he took the hybrid, and, and, and then he comes back, and he says, you like this? I said, no, I don't like either one of them. Now I want him to hit a wedge <laughs> out in the fairway and then hit a wedge onto the green and, you know, and, and make his four because he's, he's got the best wedge, one of the best top three wedge games on tour. So anyway, he wound up hitting the club, and he wound up getting because it went so far over the green, they had to give him the same distance. So he actually was able to drop it all the way left of the hole where everybody thought that's where his ball actually went, but it did. It went 30 yards over the green. Um, but, but then of course, of course he chipped it in 
and you know the whole thing. <laughs> it, you know, yeah. And that's kind of that. It's the funniest thing is how that happens. And we were at we were at East Lake, uh, the Tour Championship. We weren't playing well, but uh, we hit in a left rough on the 13th hole, and there was five guys drinking beers to the left, and we get into one of these. We're not arguing, but I'm like. He pulls out a club. I said, Kevin, where are you going with that? He says, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock on the green. You know, I'm going to, this will carry the bunker. I said, Kevin, if that goes on, if it hits the green, it's going over the green and we cannot be over the screen. It's a lightning putt. I said, eight, I will get there. You just got to hit it between the two bunkers. And I said, even if you pull it and it goes in the bunker, you're fine. Long story short, he overruled me and he hit it over the green and the guys were kind of chuckling, but they followed us around. And of course, what does he do? He hits this, putt he was on the back fringe he hits this putt that's literally going to be 30 feet by hits the flag and goes in and it was like another <laughs> one of those boats i told you i was making the right decision and you know it's like <laughs> what are you gonna do so well your exchange after that was great because it was like you know he was laughing you were laughing you were shaking your head it was like okay all is all is okay <laughs> yeah all well, is you okay know, uh, yeah yeah right. i mean we're we're, we're like I, we, you know, we were leading the golf tournament. I'm like, all right, let's just try to make four here. Let's not do anything stupid and not take six into play. And, you know, of course, he chips it in, and he looks like the genius again. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, he had this <laughs> inclination that he was going to chip it in. I don't know. but You never know, man. I'll tell you what, that, that chip shot was amazing. That's all I got to say. People don't realize. I think we were playing like 16 feet of break there because it was like right <laughs> on the side of the ridge. I mean, if you watch it, you can see how far left he plays it, and it just – you know, trickles in, or it didn't even trickle. It had probably been six feet by, but anyway, I was wrong. All right. So, you know, Kenny, next week is one of the biggest weeks in golf. Yeah. Um, can you walk our listeners through of how you got, you guys are preparing for Augusta? Yeah, we usually, um, we always get in there. We don't, we never play the week before. Um, because I, I, I want, Kevin lives on the West coast and he, okay. you know, for, for, Kevin's body, it takes a while for him to adjust from time zone. And literally, it will take, oh, okay. him, it will take him. I mean, people are going to listen to this and go, there's no way. It will take him for every hour is a day. So three-hour time change, it's three days for him to adjust. He literally has jet lag for three days. So wow. Tuesday, he'll be normal. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just the way that his body works. Uh, so we're going to get in. I'm actually driving up. This is like I do the Florida swing in my car, and then I do Augusta Hilton Head, and then drive back home. It's about a six-hour drive. If I was to leave my house, which and I live literally like right by the airport in Orlando in Lake Nona, and it it would take me six hours. So I like having my car. I, I pack up the night before, and you know, I don't have to deal with airports. I don't have to deal with people. I don't have to deal with airlines. I don't have to deal with a rental car. Uh, and I'll drive up on Saturday, uh, I'll get there probably about three. Cause I don't know what time the women's amateur is going to finish. So I, a, a friend of mine's a member there. He lives here at Lake Nona, Lou Holtz. So he's, he always tells me and gives me all the information of what has changed. So we were texting actually earlier today and the fifth hole has changed. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but they pushed the, the green back. I guess they, I think they flattened it out a little bit. And then they moved the tee box back like 30 yards. So I've got to go do my homework on that hole because I pretty much know the golf course like the back of my hand. Like you can tell me where a pin is. I can tell you where you need to hit it or where you need to miss it. If yeah. you a bad yeah. drive, 
do you need to be over this green or do you need to be short of the screen? Do you need to be right or left? So, you know, I'll probably spend an hour just on that hole, learning that hole. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, now they don't allow you to use devices to measure the slopes on the greens. So I'll do a lot of charting on the green by just looking at it instead of being able to use one of the, the devices that measures the percentage. Uh, but I've got all of that for the other 17 holes. So I'll just, you know, I'll have to, um, I better be able to read the greens really well that week on that hole. But, uh, and then, you know, just go through the golf course and just check it out and see what the shape is. And just, um, you know, other than that, I mean, there's not that much to go, goes into it if you've been there. Now, if you haven't been there, like the first time I was there was in 2006, I got to work for Raymond Floyd. I was working for Hale the week before in, in Mexico and flew back. So I met him Monday morning and I get there and he says, I got bad news for you. He said, I pulled a rib out of my back. I'm not going to be able to play a practice round. I don't know. We might try to play the part three, but you know, the problem was is back then I wasn't allowed to inside the ropes unless my player was playing. So I couldn't even walk the golf course. I had to walk outside the perimeter. So I had to oh, no all way. my, I literally spent like eight hours trying to get all the notes, watching shots come in the first day, you know, and uh, then walked around and just watched people playing from outside the ropes. They've changed that since then. But back in 2000, wow. I think they changed it in 08 or 09 that you can go actually out and walk the golf course. You don't need to be with your player, but we wound up, um, he wound up playing the par three just so I could caddy in it. I mean, that's what kind of guy Raymond Floyd was. He was literally, could barely, but he, you know, we, we did the par three and then we teed it up the next day. And, uh, he actually played halfway decent. I think he had three balls in the water and shot 76. And then he was three under par going into number nine on Friday. Um, but when I'm missing the cut, but you know, if, if I hadn't have seen that golf course, I probably would have spent probably a full day getting to know it because there's so many little nuances that uh, you need to know. And, you know, I just want to give like Michael Greller, the job that he did, he sat down with Ben Crenshaw's caddy. I don't know how many hours getting all of his information from him, Carl Jackson, who had been caddying there his whole life, which is a very, you know, if you're a new caddy, that's what you need to do is you need to sit down with somebody that's been there, pay somebody to go out with you for the day and, and show you the little nuances and show you where you can get it up and down from because there's so much course knowledge on that, that golf course, more so than I think any other golf course I've been on. Yeah, I mean, it's, you have to, if you know every nook and cranny, you know, that's why guys like Tiger and Spieth have, have always historically done so well there, right? Right. right. There, there aren't too many first-time winners. That's for sure. Yeah. Does Augusta do anything special for the caddies that make it stand out for, for you guys or any of the guys? You know, uh, different than other courses or tournaments. Uh, well, what Augusta does is we have our own locker room. It's like, it's literally where the caddies have their own locker, their showers, there's, there's uh, food. They have food for us, breakfast, lunch. When we get off the golf course, they have uh, pretty much, the grill area open until, I don't know, six o'clock. Uh, the one thing that they don't do, uh, which I've been talking to Jimmy Dunn, who's a member there for two or three years now is, is getting a ticket for the, for the, for the caddy. We, we, that's the only tournament we do not get a ticket for. 
Um, so, you know, and, and I, and I get it. I mean, I, I, I don't get it, but I get it, you know, because the tickets go for so much money, but I said to Jimmy, I said, just make it a, a picture ID, you know, so that the spouse can go or, you know, because the tickets are almost impossible to come by. I mean, I looked online, I think they're, they're going for like $11,000 for the week. Um, Wow. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of the hardest tickets in all sports. And, you know, to continue, like I asked Kevin a couple times for tickets and he, he was, he gave me uh, a couple daily tickets. And then my, I had a really good friend of mine um, from Minnesota that wanted to come and he gave me the ticket. And then the last minute, the guy decided to go with his buddy who was flying private down to Cabo. And I said, that's it. I said, you're done. I said, and I took it back to Kevin and said, all right, I'll, I'll use that for the next time. But, you know, it, that's probably the one thing that, you know, I'm hoping that they change that within the next year or two. Um, uh, other than that, um, you know, that, the hospitality area there is phenomenal. The people that they treat the caddies with so much respect. Uh, even, you know, even the members of Green Jackets, call them Green Jackets, all the members there are just, they're phenomenal. Um, it's an unbelievable place. Is to go there and, and play there is probably one of the greatest experiences you can ever have in golf. Um, but yeah, that's now Kenny with with you know ticket prices and how hard it is to get a hotel and how expensive it is. Do you stay in the same place every year? You know, I I stay with Kevin. Um, we always get a house, and this year actually okay. he's. Um, he always, I caddy for him in the par three the first year. And then I, you know, he, he's like, Hey, do you mind if I have my brother caddy? Do you have mind if I have a friend? I say, Kevin, you can have anybody you want on, on Wednesday, as long as I'm caddying the whole week. So this week he's got, um, one of the chairmen that he knows from, from Korea. That's, that's, uh, going to caddy in the par three and we're staying at Sage Valley for the first time. They've got cottages, a four bedroom cottage we have yeah. there. So, which is going to be Sick. cool because I got a couple of friends that are members there. I'm not sure if they're going to be there or not, but I've never been there. I actually rake golf courses for golf digest, but I haven't been in that area other than to play Augusta once. And that was it. So I'm kind of looking forward to it because supposedly the cottages are around this huge putting green and you can go out there and putt at night and stuff. So, um, oh, that's, that's really pretty, cool. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, every year we yeah you get a little. What's that? I was just gonna say you get a little downtime, uh, you know, which is nice to kind of be able to go to the putting green and hang out at the cottage. What you do anything else fun Augusta week in your downtime? We had Kelly James on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about some of the parties he performs at and different stuff, which is a whole side of Augusta. Uh, we haven't been on this podcast yet. Uh, yeah, uh, hopefully soon. But um, there's a whole side of Augusta, like after parties and, you know, and, and the whole corporate hospitality side of it. I mean, do you guys ever get to go enjoy any of that stuff or you just focus the whole week? Well, Kevin used to be with IMG and they had a big IMG house where they would have dinner every night. Um, and then you yeah. know, cocktails and uh, not much of the, it wasn't a party scene. It was more of the players and the agents and everything would go there and then, you know, then you go to the parties afterwards, but you know, there's, there's, everybody wants to win the masters. This is, this is as serious as, you know, with, with all the majors, I mean, every single tournament 
serious with the money amount of money they're playing for. But um, I, I don't I don't go out. I I think one year we went out on like a Monday night. Um, we one of my buddies and Kevin's buddies came and uh, we all went. I think it was went to Wild Wings or something, and they had a band there. We were probably out till about twelve o'clock, and then headed home. But once it, once the tournament starts, once Wednesday night starts, um, no, it's just chill out and relax and you know long days i mean you got to get it locked rope. in uh you got to get used to the speed of the greens and you got to be prepared it's uh for the players it's you know with the greens as being it's a, it's a mental strain um you know it, there's a lot of pressure that just the players put on themselves but in all honesty it's the easiest major to win you've only got 90 guys in the field um it's by mm-hmm. far the weakest the weakest field out of all the majors uh, and probably the weakest field out of even uh, the world championships uh, other than, you know, the last one, the, the match, well, match play had 64 of the top 66 players in the world. So, you know, it, it, it's a strong field, but it's not as strong as the others. Um, so it's, it, I don't know why people make it what it is, but well, I do. I mean, it's just, it's the history of it. Uh, Bobby Jones being, you know, one of the designers with Alistair McKenzie. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's a tradition unlike any other, man. Yeah, it's my favorite tournament to watch all year. It's, it's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's great. Um, and, and I think all the history that that's there, I mean, sure. the masters is the masters. It's the Super Bowl of golf, but it's interesting to hear your take on it just because, you know, you, it, technically speaking, all those things are right. It probably is the weakest field. It probably is yeah. because it's um, it's played the same venue every year. It's that make players are more familiar with it. So it probably is the easiest major to win. Right. Um, if you, especially for the guys that have experience there. Right. But um, what, what, speaking of other majors, though, what are your initial thoughts on the other uh, venues for this year? Because they're pretty classic. We got Beth Page. We got Pebble. We got Royal Port Rush. You know, what are you looking forward to most? Uh, you know, I, I hate to say this because I love I love my country. I love my flag. I love my military. I love everything about my country. Um, but the U.S. Open has been a disgrace in the last number, number of years. The way that they've set it up, the years that they've gone. Um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't there at Shinnecock, but they were in Shinnecock. You know, people don't realize, yeah. so people don't realize what they did. I mean, they literally they took a golf course that was very narrow, they widened it by sixty percent on average, and they added five hundred yards. So they made it that it was a one-dimensional type of that was going to win. It was going to be a bomber, and look who was at the top yeah. of the board. Now we're not going to see that this year because, you know. Pebble Beach can be won by anybody. Um, now, obviously, mm-hmm. playing great golf because you don't win U.S. Opens if you're not playing great golf. But, you know, look at the last guy that won, Graham McDowell. You know, not a long hitter, but a great player. Um, just won last week. Um, I, anybody can win at Pebble Beach. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, and, and unfortunately, I wasn't at Marion also. Kevin was hurt that year. But that was always my favorite tournament. The U.S. Open was the one that I looked forward to. If I could win any major, it used to be that one. Now it's actually the open yeah. because they don't do anything tricky to the golf course. 
they just go and play it the way it is. You know, the greens are not rolling to a 14 or a 15. The greens aren't bricks. It, it, it is what the weather dictates. And you go out and you play the way golf was meant to be played, not vomit and, and, and you know, you got to think your way around the golf course. And that's what you have to do. I played, um, I went up and played, Huber Green played in the senior British Open at Royal County Down. And after, after the tournament, I got on Royal County Down that Monday morning. Then I drove up to Port Rush and played Port Rush in the afternoon. Um, and I hadn't seen the golf course. So I didn't really know where I was going. So I didn't thoroughly uh, enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Royal County Down. I, I knew it was an unbelievable golf course. But because I spent seven days at Royal County Down, I knew it. So I was, I'm really looking forward to going back there. Um, Beth Page. You know, there's another golf course that, unfortunately, that they've they've really made it into a bomber's paradise. Uh, it's an unbelievable golf course. It's a tilling house design. It's phenomenal. I think we're going to have a lot better chance because, you know, Kevin's driving the ball about 20 yards further now. Um, but it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say what is, what is the PGA going to – how are they going to set it up? Uh, how is How are the USGA going to set up the U.S. Open? I mean, look what they did last year. They made it almost unplayable. Um, yeah. Granted, granted, I, I, I want to see carnage. I want to see a golf course play difficult, extremely difficult. Yeah. I'm more about having more on driving the ball in the fairway than hitting it 350 yards. You know, so, yeah. you know, the U.S. Open used to be, you know, the massacre at Wingfoot would wear hail or one. We used to remember six, seven, eight inches of rough. And we just don't see that anymore. So, mm -hmm. you know, they've gone, they've kind of, I, I, I think they've taken away from the U S open and, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping the new guy is, is going to make it what it used to be, you know, put a premium on driving the golf ball. And my understanding is they've already narrowed the fairway on uh, eight. Uh, I, I think they've narrowed like two or three Pharaohs. Uh, they brought the at Beth, at Beth page. No, no, no. At us, the U S open at, at Pebble. Pebble. Oh, Pebble. So, okay, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about that at page. Um, I have no idea, but I'm sure that the rough is going to be thick. It should be that time of the year. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, so um, the weather should be conducive enough to have a lot of rough, but we'll see. You know, we won't know, but um, yeah, I look forward to the open. Yeah, we'll see. I agree with you. I think like, you know, we want to, as golf fans, I think we always want, we want to see the toughest test. We want to see, you know, scores around even par right. or, you know, maybe even just over par, but there's a lot of golf courses that already will produce that just, you know, so you probably don't need to trick them up as much. Just let them go back to narrow fairways, long rough, exactly. and let's see what they can do. Get right? the green, get the green nice and firm, just like the fairways are and, and, you know, put rough around the greens. And that's all you need to do. You know, look at Marion. Yeah. Marion's not a long golf course. And Justin Rose won it one under, I think, or even. So, yeah. No, it's yeah, right around there. People don't, you know, people don't realize you don't, you don't need the length. You, you, need the, you need to bring the fairways in so they're 20 to 22 yards wide like they used to be at the Opens. Now, you know, the average fairway was like 32 yards wide. I think it was 32 or 34 yards wide at Shinnecock last year. Yeah. You know, so yep. that's just my opinion. Um, and I'm not bitching because everybody's got to play the same golf course. But, you know, this is what I would like to see. You know, I, I would like to see it play hard and, and fast and, 
you know, long rough and not this intermediate stuff where you, you know, you hit it in the rough, you got to chop it out, you know, put a huge right. premium on driving the golf ball. We don't see that. You know, the, it's more the U S the, the PGA tour is more, you know, we don't, we don't have the rough that we used to have. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of sad. Like you say a little bit about how you're a little bit different. You're disappointed with how the U S opens have been over the course of years and not to bring you back to that, but real quickly, I was just wanting to know, I mean, do a lot of the other caddies feel the same way as you? Um, I think, I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way as I do. Um, it's all about hitting the ball so far and, and all the equipment is meant to go far and long and straight. So, you know, there's no reason that we're playing wider fairways if we have a ball that goes straighter and we have equipment that goes straight. The equipment's better than it's ever been. Um, you know, if you go back to the era of, of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the balls used to spin 20 times more than they spin now. So, yes, it's harder to work a golf ball, but, you know, we, we should be playing golf courses that are, are harder, not because of length, but because of narrowness, firmness and rough another thing lately that that kevin's been known for is walking in these putts we, we had a great time laughing at the players and watching him and tiger play together uh is that something that he just started doing with the players that's something he's always done it's something he's always done and you know and i think that you know obviously when you have millions of eyes on you when you're playing with tiger woods and then tiger does it like <laughs> tiger wouldn't have done it People wouldn't have even really thought about it. They would all—it's <laughs> funny, but maybe they—they so they, they would have talked about it a little bit, maybe. But you know, when Tiger was playing, I don't know if you saw it, but Tiger was playing with Rory in the match. Tiger kind of like right. walked one in, and <laughs> Rory goes, "I saw Kevin." <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's—it's you know, it's—it's one—it's one of, it's one of Kevin's trademarks. He's always done it. So now it's caught on. It's like everybody, you know, every walking in, Kev, walking in, Kev, all last week. Walking mm. in, Kev, walking in, Kev. And, you know, unfortunately, the week <laughs> after that, Kevin woke up. This is the funniest thing. I mean, it's not funny. It's pretty sad. But last year at, at the Valspar, he wakes up Tuesday morning, can't move his neck. This year at Valspar, he wakes up Tuesday morning, can't move his neck. He never played in the – he didn't play the tournament. He didn't play last year. He didn't play this year. So – you know, it would have been fun that if we were back in, like I said to him, I said, you need to, you know, you can play really well this week. You know, you're going to get even that much more following because it's amazing, you know, the fans that he has now. Because when I first started working for him, he didn't have many fans. He really didn't. And the, the turning point was our 16 at San Antonio. Um, he hit it in the trees, he hit it in the trees, and, you know, he stayed in there forever and, I kind of was like walking out to see what he was doing and he comes out and he's got this big old smile on his face and that went viral. Like here's a guy like any other guy chopping around the woods and he comes out and he's got a smile on his face. And I was pissed off though. No end because we were like four under par of the other 17 holes at, except for him. But he comes out with a smile, <laughs> a smile on his face and it goes viral, you know, and, and the whole thing went viral. I mean, that was another one that had millions and millions and millions of hits and he became the, the fans like drew to him from that. And then, you know, the whole thing with TPC and not being able to pull the trigger, 
And then how honest he was about his slow play and actually trying to do the right thing to speed up and put the game in front of himself. Um, he, he, he got more fans. And then this thing with Tiger, it's just, you know, we're talking, it was the number they told Kevin, it was the number three hit on Instagram all time on the PGA tour. No, I want to, I want to stay right there and maybe you can shed some light. What was the conversation between the four of you on your way to 18? Well, I kind of just sat back and, you know, it's their show, not my show. So I didn't say anything to them. I let them walk. I grabbed the putter and they were chuckling and, you know, they had their arm around them. And then I don't know that they zinger said, I heard it. I heard the telecast, something like they got the same teeth. They got the same dentist or something. I don't know what they were saying. And they were joking. <laughs> and then I don't know. Um, I mean, I didn't say I picked up Joe's bag and stood it up for him like he does for me. And then we walked to the next tee and we were, me and Joe were kind of chuckling, you know, kind of twirling our eyes like, Nobody was expecting that. I mean, that was something like, you know, Tiger. I mean, I got to tell you what, I, I got to give Tiger all the credit in the world, what he has done in the last three or four years since he's come back. Or three years, two years, three years. He's a new person. He is yeah. honestly yeah. a genuine, loves life. I think he realizes everything he has in life and, and uh, you know, a pleasure. I mean, we were both playing terrible that day. We started off, we were like five over through five holes. Uh, and he was off to a bad start as well. And, you know, he was, he was awesome. And, and the fans, the, the, the biggest thing I was worried about is the fans because they usually start walking, but the fans were so respectful to Kevin as well. I mean, it was, it was a great day. And then to, to see what Kevin or what Tiger did after Kevin walked it in, him walking it in, you know, people don't realize yeah. how how important something like that is for Kevin because if yeah and I, I think a lot of people uh, sorry I don't mean to interrupt you but yeah. I think a lot of people don't re I've heard a few interviews with Kevin and like Kevin's just a funny dude and I think yeah I think that personality may, may have rubbed off on Tiger not just the walking in the pub but that's just kind of a moment maybe where right you know yeah I'm sure they've had a little bit while they're playing and then you know, when, when Tiger walked in the putt after Kevin did, I've, ne I've never seen Tiger look like that or laugh like that. On the oh. golf. I mean, he looked like he was watching an Austin Powers movie and just like, started chuckling out of nowhere <laughs> because like, he couldn't stop laughing. His stomach was like shaking. He thought it was so funny. And it was just it's one of these genuine moments that gets created. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, you're right. You're 100% right. It was genuine. And it was, you know, it was, it was kind of cool because, you know, everybody's a Tiger fan, you know you got to love what he's done for the game of golf. And that's why I said that anyway, anybody that's on the PGA tour, that's a caddy or a player that doesn't appreciate Tiger Woods is an absolute fool because he's put more money in everybody's pockets at playing this game or it's around this game um, than anybody else. And there, who knows if we'll ever see another Tiger. I mean, he's, he's the Arnold Palmer that was back in that day. And, you know, hopefully, you know, golf's in a great place right now. I mean, we've got, the superstars playing good other than a couple, but I, they'll, they'll come around because we'll figure it out. That's where they're a superstar. But, you know, with Tiger playing good and winning the tour championship last year, Hey, I'll be the first one to admit it. I didn't think he would win last year. I honestly, I said, there's no way this guy, with everything that he has gone through with surgeries and stuff, I didn't think his body would hold up to be honest. It wasn't his game. I mean, because somebody that's that good, is going to be that good. He's going to find it. I just didn't think his body would hold up. And it's amazing that his body is holding up. I mean, yeah. now obviously 
he doesn't walk the way he does. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of, you know, he's got pain. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's playing in pain, but it's just amazing what he's accomplishment, uh, accomplishing with everything that he's done with his body. I mean, it's just, and now how great of a human being he is. Um, uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how impressed I was with him by the end of the day. No, that's great. It's great to hear. So, uh, so you've created switching gears a little bit. Speaking of you know creating identity and being funny, you've created a cool identity for yourself on social media um, at kharms twenty seven. For anyone who doesn't follow Kenny, yeah. uh, but you love to post about pizza in every city that you go. Oh yeah, so, and wine. And wine. That's right. Oh yeah. Um, so what's what's the best slice of pizza you've had on on your tour stops? You know, uh, I'm growing up in New Jersey. I love New Jersey and New York pizza. Um, and yeah. any hole in the wall in New York City, uh, I've got a place called the Angelo's Pizza in Maywood, which is a town away from where I grew up in Paramus, where Ridgewood Country Club is. And um, so whenever I'm home, I always get uh, pizza for the Titleist guys because we were with Titleist all those years. Um, so I'd always bring them like 10 pies to the trailer and they're like, Oh my God, this is the greatest pizza ever, you know? And then if we're in Long Island, like we'd be in Long Island, I'll, I'll bring them, you know, pizza from wherever it is. Uh, there's a place called Mer Mulberry street pizza. I think it's in Jericho, which when we're out there. So when we were out there a couple of years ago for Glen Oaks for the first playoff, uh, I found that spot. And then on my way to Boston, I always stop at Pepe's in New Haven. It's a different type. It's a, a um, coal-fired pizza, and that whole town's got like four or five of them. And there's another place called Sally's, which actually delicious. It supposedly got even a better rating than Pepe's, but I haven't had Sally's. So the next time I'm going there, I'm going to stop at Sally's and stop at Pepe's right. and get two pies and do a little pizza review between the two of them. So then you. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'll be looking forward to that one. So I'll take no, my next stop there. We'll step, we'll make sure we, uh, yeah, we yeah. go with whatever you say. <laughs> but I also, I have a little bone to pick because you say that you are a lover of sushi and steak, but I have yet to see those sushi and steak reviews. So when are we going to see those? Kenny? <laughs> oh man. If I did a sushi and steak review, Oh, I would, I would have to, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to have the sake with the sushi. Um, unfiltered yeah. sake, oh, unfiltered sure. cold sake. Uh, and then the steaks, you know, I'm, when I'm home, we go to Costco and we get the prime, prime New York strips. I mean, for seven bucks a pound. Steaks ever. And then we open up bottles like me and, uh, last night, um, uh, what did we have last? Oh, last night we actually, me and my mom's boyfriend, we, we grilled out some, uh, New York strips and then we had a bottle of cab and then I opened up a bottle of Zen and I made some fresh chocolate chip cookies, which I actually posted. Um, oh, and, love that. And, we got uh, a baker on our hands, huh? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've got a, I've got, it's, I've got, I love chocolate chip cookies and <laughs> I, I love pizza. I love wine. I, I love wine probably more than anything. A good bottle of wine is just, uh, I don't know. My uncle spoiled me. Uh, my uncle Carmen, spoiled me he just got me drinking like all this unbelievable wine and then me and my brother started buying the wine so we're like we're like we don't have a competition going but it's like i think i've got 500 bottles of wine now so um I'm, oh, wow. well nice. i'm collecting because i figure you know once you stop working you're not going to go out and buy you know 
$20 bottle of wine or $50 or $100 bottle of wine if right. you're not working anymore. So I'm kind of collecting the good stuff. And then when Kevin plays really well, like if we win a golf tournament, I'm buying 100 bottles of wine. So great. Ooh, I love that. That's a great idea. You got a place to store? You got a little wine cellar? You know, I've, uh, me and my brother bought a house last May uh, that we're, we're flipping, but it was an old Street of Dreams house in Lake Nona in 2004. And I've got everything in the office. I've got one really big one that holds like 200 bottles. And then there's one that's built into the house, but it's got 50. And then I got another 50. And then I've got, I, there's a, um, the cabinets in the, in the office that's full of wine. So as long as the light's not getting to them until. Right. That's right. So long story, but me and my brother, we, we invest in houses here and then we're going to, we're actually selling this one. And then we bought one on the driving range. We're gutting and we're going to redo. And that's going to be the one that we're actually going to keep. And when you first walk in the door, there's going to be three stainless steel wine coolers, cellars there. So that's going to be like when you walk in, that's the first thing you're going to see. And it's kind of like. Got it. Kenny, just, just a couple more here and we'll get yeah. you out of here. Um, but from such a close up, um, who would you say is the best player you ever saw? Um, well, when I worked for Hale Irwin, we got to play with Jack Nicklaus a lot. Wow. He's, uh, you know, that, and that's, I mean, I, I've, I've learned, I've learned so much. I got so much knowledge from watching the greatest players ever. I mean, we're playing a skins game. It's Hale, Gary player, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And you know, people, ask me, what's your greatest golf experience? And, and that's the one I say, I said, guy, you know, I got, I got to, play i got the caddy for hale playing a couple of years with with jack nicholas so i you know i everybody everybody's always rated everything on winning majors and jack's got 18 tigers got 14 you know and you know tiger would be my number two but uh, until you know if if tiger ties jack i'll probably give it to tiger just because of what he's gone through um and how good he was for those 11 years from 2007 to 2000 or 97 to 2008. It's probably the greatest golf you'd ever see mm -hmm. played in 11 years. But I, I kind of sure. look at it as your, your, your whole life. And, you know, Jack Nicholas was so great for so long. Um, so I would have to say Jack Nicholas um, and then Tiger Woods would be number two. Unfortunately, I didn't get nice. to see Hogan Sneed, I actually did get to see Snead when I was working for Hubert Green. Snead was still playing in the Legends, so it was amazing. Everybody would go to the driver range and just watch him hit balls. Even at eighty-something years old, the guy's golf swing was unbelievable. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, one of the sweetest swings for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, Kenny, I have a question. You're you're doing something really cool with Hotels.com. Can you yeah. tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, we've um, we signed a deal, uh, the APTC, which is the Caddy Association, we signed a deal. So there's 10 of us that wear the logo um, and we're trying to bring more, you know, uh, awareness to hotels.com. So I've got it. Everybody's got it on their sleeves, the 10 of us, and we're hopefully going to get another 10. Uh, they've been a great sponsor. Um, and they're an amazing, That's you know, cool. you get the, you get for 10 stays, you get a free, a free room and they've been phenomenal with us. They, uh, 
I think this is the third year we're going on now. So, you know, and, and everybody's about saving money and that's what I'm all about. Oh yeah. You know, we get on the website. There you go. Oh, I love, I love the deal. So, I got a free hotel stay uh, with booking 10 hotel rooms last year. I was dancing yeah. high. I was excited. <laughs> exactly. It's like a, a, my American express points, and my airline points and my hotel.com points. Those are the three. There you go. That's the one. Uh, we got like a little bit of a speed round question. We can just fire away with a few questions, Kenny, then we can get you out of here. All right. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for being generous with your time, man. You've been, you've been with us Incredible. for about an hour here, so we appreciate well, it. Well, hopefully we'll do it um, after Sunday after we win the Masters. We can do it again. Hell there we yeah. go. Yeah. Well, you got to promise us. You, you and Kevin got to come back on after the Masters. You know it. Uh, if you win. If you win. Yep. Or anytime. Or anytime. I mean, <laughs> Or anytime you want. <laughs> I'll tell you, the next time we win, we'll do it. Let's Perfect. do it. And hopefully it's Let's Sunday do it. <laughs> exactly. Sunday night. I like it. Cocktails in hand, and we're doing it. Love it. So let's do this speed round question. So for the first one, Twilight Golf or Crack of Dawn? Oh, Twilight. Yeah. Everyone says Twilight. I know. Like Twilight Why would too. You? Why? I like the early morning. You've been drinking wine all night. Why would you want to get up early in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got three bottles of Camus down, and you don't it's want to called, get up early in the morning. It's called a Bloody Mary. That's, that's a three <laughs> bottle of wine for 70 bucks. Mm. <laughs> most unique thing in kevin's bag Ooh. oh the most oh by far the three wood head cover the de the red devil the whack red devil no no i like that that's right <laughs> what's the weirdest thing in kevin's bag mm. weirdest thing in kevin's bag uh, if anything, like, I don't know. Like, it's like okay to say chain. nothing. You, can, like, you, you don't have to say it. He uh, probably uh, just has teas and balls. I, mean, like, and towels. I don't know. I've he worked, could have, like, I've worked special, for, like, good luck. I mean, if you ask me, you know, if it's an LPGA player, I might be able to come up with some good stuff. But uh, Kevin's back. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Kevin Knox, <laughs> T, ball marker. I don't Kevin, not ball marker. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> What's the best bottle of wine in, in your collection? I know you got a lot of them. Oh, I've got three magnums of a 1997 insignia that um, I, uh, I was I was so um, I was coming back from San Diego and I just saw this wine sign. Uh, I was married uh, at the time and we stopped in there and they had 97 insignia for 79 a bottle. And they had three bottles of the uh, magnums and they were 150 and I bought them and I've got oh, three magnums left. Nice. I've got still got five bottles of the 97 left. So, yeah. You gotta crack those open go. before they go bad, my friend. Oh, that sounds like a those, master's win kind of crack open. Those are those are that. the special occasions. Those are every Christmas I open a regular bottle, and I'm waiting for a major, major win to open up nice. the magnums. Oh yeah. All right. Oh, I like it. We've got a couple of bottles of uh, older Camus in here. That's probably about as high as we get. We got a bottle of Farniente in our Ooh, little wine right? cooler in the kitchen. Nice. So I'll tell you what: if you guys win the Masters. You guys call in, you open, you, you open the insignia, we'll open the Farniente, we'll cheers. <laughs> you know, where, where are you guys at? Where's your uh, bottle of wine? Because I need to go there sometime and uh, party with you guys. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome anytime. Perfect, anytime. We're in LA. We're, we're, we're in Brentwood. Oh, so if you guys come here, and I know Kevin here. plays ribs. Perfect. Yeah, Kevin plays ribs, so we're right down the street. Absolutely. All right, so then now your, per your best personal score. Oh, wrestling. Oh, good one. Hands down. 
<laughs> I, I, live, uh, I live i live for nca wrestling um uh i nca i actually we we actually didn't play the valspar in the nca championship so i drove down to my dad's and the two of us sat there for three hours friday night watching the semifinals and and sun saturday watching the finals and he went to every single one of my wrestling matches as a kid in high school but one so we did that together, which was kind of cool. Um, That's great. So on your pizza, are you just what's your favorite pizza topping, or you just go cheese? Yeah, I'm a cheese guy. You know, I've I've tried to explain <laughs> this to everybody. I I took a bunch of uh, caddies when we were at Ridgewood Country Club over to Angelo's. You know, they all ordered whatever they wanted, and I ordered my cheese cheese slices, and that was it. And they're all like, "What are you doing?" I'm like. Then my cheese slices came out, and they saw my cheese slices, and they had their funny stuff. And they're like. Oh, this pizza's, you know, it's okay. It's not that great. I said, get each one of these guys a cheese pizza, a slice of cheese pizza. And they ate the pizza. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so much better. I said, yeah, the reason why it's so much better is because all the oils from all the meats ruins the crust, so it becomes soggy. That's why you never eat ah, I didn't know that. Yep, cheese oh, pizza's the only way to go. Okay. If, if I'm going to put it. I love it. I do on, like a good. If I, if I do put a topping on it, it would be probably sausage. Okay. But, All right. Yeah, I can do that. But I didn't know about I didn't know about how the taste and the cr- of the crust of the texture of the crust gets ruined oh, by the oh, meat. That's oh, good information. Yeah, it changes the whole complexion of the pizza, the sauce, the cheese, uh, everything. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's just science. Yeah. <laughs> it's just science. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, Kenny. Well, thanks for hopping on. Well, next time you're back in LA, uh, let's hit up Joe's. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you uh have, we'll have a good bar? Have you been to Stella Bar? We do have Stella Bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. been there. Joe's is better. That's down in, in uh like Santa in Venice, Santa Monica or er, yeah, Arena yeah, area, right? It's in Santa Monica. I think it's on Second Street, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Second Ave or Second Street on your way down, yeah, like you're south of the the where the ten comes in. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dinner on us uh, next year, Kenny. Dinner on us. We'll do, we'll do, I'll right. pick up a couple pies and bring over some wine. I love it. Perfect. I love it. Well, uh, good luck at the Masters. We'll be rooting for you guys. Awesome. And uh, let's walk some putts in and let's let's get it done. All right, man? Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. All the best. Thanks, Thanks Kenny. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, right. Kenny. See you, Emily. Bye-bye.